I hope you guys don't go shopping like that because that would be disastrous. But we're looking forward to this week because it is Thanksgiving. We are kicking off this new series and seeking a savior. And when you think about it, everyone is looking for a savior. Every single person is looking for something to save them out of something. And so you can take out your bulletin, take out your notes. Uh, by the way, thank you for uh, being here today. Thank you, Pastor Charlie, for speaking in the past two weeks. Uh, did a fabulous uh, job at bringing the Word of God. So can we say thank you to Pastor Charlie uh, for speaking these past two weeks. <laughs> Wonderful. You know, I get to watch on our app, so I, I, can, I can still get the Word of God. And then I visited a church in the mainland. One of our, our friends just birthed a church called The Bridge in Pasadena, California. So if you know of anyone in that area that are not attending church, tell them to check out The Bridge. Uh, they can go online and, and look. I think it's uh, PasadenaBridge.org or something like that, The Bridge, Pasadena.org. But uh, it, we were gone for about 10 days, and we attended a conference, uh, Heidi and I. Uh, so being gone 10 days is a long time from Hawaii. No place like home. I mean, it's good to go away for a little while, but to come back home, and, and I miss being with everyone. It's, it's tough to be away. And so coming back home, I was excited to be back with everyone. And then trying to get back into the routine of things is, you know, you're, you're, you're not used to everything. But to be here this morning and to kick off this new series is, a, is such an honor and a privilege to do so. This morning, we're going to be talking about the challenge of seeking Jesus because it is a challenge and many of us have found that out. Some of us have been through challenges that have led us to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And just like these guys shopping for something that is rare, there is something that is rare in our days today, and that's finding Jesus Christ. Because everyone is looking for a Savior. But sometimes people look for a Savior rather than the Savior. So the rarity of finding Jesus Christ in our day is common because technology can solve certain problems. People can solve certain problems. Government can solve certain problems. But everything that we search for in a Savior, and when we find whatever it is that we're searching for, may give us probably a temporary fix or a temporary satisfaction rather than seeking the Savior that gives us eternal satisfaction. And when we seek out Jesus Christ, there come some challenges. And that's what we want to look at today, the challenge of seeking Jesus. I know for some of us, we're at a place in our relationship with Jesus Christ that it's, it's almost like a, a natural thing for us. We get up in the morning, we thank God for the new day. We're, we're in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So it's not that difficult to connect with the Lord. But then there are some that we're trying to find our relationship with Jesus Christ, or we're trying to connect with Him, and we're seeking the Savior. We're in that process of seeking Jesus out. Some don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, so church becomes almost like the Savior. And church becomes, I got to go to church because I did this. Or church becomes the thing to do because that's been our tradition for years or whatever it would be. And so church becomes the Savior. But there is only one Savior, and it is the person, Jesus Christ. And although attending church is great, nothing compares to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so for some of us, that's where it becomes difficult because we live in a world 
that as we grow up in, we develop a worldly lifestyle. In other words, we live in the places that we live and develop certain habits so that we can fit in, so that we'll be accepted, so that we'll get a certain job, so that we'll have a certain type of reputation. But it's still worldly. It's a worldly way of living. But now we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, certain things shift, and that's where it becomes challenging. And it's challenging in our day because everyone is looking for a Savior. There is always a cost at, at following Jesus Christ. There's always a cost at seeking a Savior. And when you seek out Jesus Christ, the cost is worth it in the end. But if you just seek something to save you, whether it be finances, another job, another relationship, and you think that's going to satisfy your soul, the cost in the end is regret because you think that's what's going to satisfy your soul. But in seeking out the Savior, Jesus Christ, it's a win-win situation in this life and in the life to come. There are challenges, and everyone is looking for a Savior, something that will help them, but there is only one Savior. You know, when we seek Jesus Christ, it is challenging. I mean, many of us can already say that. It is challenging seeking out Jesus Christ. There's a challenge there. But it is always worth it. And if seeking out Jesus Christ is challenging, just seeking him out now, not talking about following him, just seeking him out, getting up in the morning, seeking out Jesus Christ, it's a challenge. Imagine following him. Imagine trying to do the things that Jesus asks of us or what God asks of us or what the Bible says. That's challenging in itself. That's, uh, that's, that's a tough thing or a tough way to live or a, a difficult thing to follow, God's ways, it's tough unless there's a way for us to be strengthened in following the Lord. Now, the, challenge that, the challenges that we face may not be like the challenges that we face in other things. You know, with shopping, there are challenges. With, you know, starting our car that doesn't work all the time, that's challenging. Uh, when we have uh, children and they're growing up, that's challenging as a parent. And then children growing up and becoming a, an adult of your own, that's challenging. Those things are challenging in itself. But when it comes to seeking the Savior, Jesus Christ, there comes different challenges. And so we're going to explore two major challenges of seeking Jesus and then learn what step to take that leads us closer to him. And then here's the first thing that we can all uh, write in there if you're taking notes in your point, that I will be challenged with convenience. I mean, that word convenience is inconvenient already. We all deal with wanting things to be convenient. That's why we have remote controls for all of our gadgets in the, uh, in the house, all the gadgets that we have, uh, from our TV to our, our, what is it, a DVR or a recording device. We have all those remote controls. How many of you guys have one remote control in your house? Just one. Okay, just one. That's pretty good. How many of you guys have like 10? Right. I mean, we have a remote control for everything unless we get a universal one. Why? Because it's convenient. It's convenient. Uh, a, a game that came out or a gaming console that came out just recently is called the Xbox One. And you may have one or maybe your children have one, but you talk to it. You say Xbox On, and it goes on. And you can actually tell the TV to change channels, change channel. You can tell it what to do, 
Xbox Pause. So if you hear your child talking to themselves in the room, they're probably a gamer, and they're playing something, and so they're talking to it. It's funny because when people come to my house that they have an Xbox One, they try to tell my TV what to do, and I'm like, we don't have that. You can talk to my TV all you want. You have to get up and press the button. It's, it's convenient. It's easy. You can talk to it. You can ha- make hand motions. And so everyone is looking for convenience. But when you're seeking the Savior, it's, you're challenged with convenience. Isn't it true that when you seek Jesus, that's, that's usually the most inconvenient time? Some of us came to know Jesus Christ at an inconvenient time. It wasn't the best time of life. Maybe we were going through a relational setback or a financial struggle or even a health issue, but it caused us to get closer to Jesus Christ. It caused us to seek the Savior. It was out of an inconvenient moment. You have to give up your plans. You have to give up your activities or or the way you think in seeking the Savior. It's not convenient. It's not easy to do because it's inconvenient. The people of Jesus' days struggled with that. In fact, after Jesus died and was raised from the grave, a man by the name of Saul, who later became Paul, an apostle who planted churches and and raised up other people to to take over churches and to, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, he battled with this. In fact, he was against Christianity and those who follow Jesus Christ, but then he encountered Jesus Christ, and his life changed. The Lord changed his life. And because of his belief in Jesus Christ, Paul the apostle was arrested, and now he stood before the governor, who was named Felix, in Judea during the birth of the early church. So when the, when the church was, was uh, spreading out the good news and people were receiving Jesus Christ, Paul was arrested And now he had to face Felix, the governor, in his sentencing. But listen to what Felix dealt with concerning the Savior. And the Bible says this in Acts 24, verse 24 and 25. After some days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. So now Paul is at a place where he's talking about Jesus Christ to Felix. Now as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid, and then he answered, go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Now even the governor, Felix, was inconvenient, uh, felt that it was inconvenient to talk about the Savior, to learn about righteousness and self-control and the faith in Jesus Christ, it wasn't convenient for him. We're all going to struggle with convenience when we seek Jesus Christ. It's a challenge that we face when seeking the Savior. We're going to be challenged with inconvenience because we've become comfortable with the way we live in this world. It's become too comfortable for us. So by the time Jesus comes into our life, his, his way is opposite than our way because his way is not the worldly way. We've, we've grown up in the world, so we live a certain way. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 18, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he instructed his disciples to cross to the other side of the lake. Then one of the teachers of religious law said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, many of us have said this. We said, wherever you go, Jesus, whatever you want me to do, I will do. But Jesus replied, foxes have holes. Uh, foxes have dens to live in. The birds have nests, but the Son of Man 
has no place even to lay his head. Another of his disciples said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me now. Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Now, it may seem harsh. It almost seems like Jesus doesn't care. But Jesus wasn't saying, I don't care about the things you have to do or, or your, your agenda is not, is not important or, or your family is secondary. What Jesus was saying is, following me is not always convenient. There's always going to be something that takes the place of or has the opportunity to take the place of Jesus. Or there's always something that comes up that we say, ah, I'll do my devotions later. Or, ah, I'll go to church tomorrow. Or, I'll watch it online. Or, oh, my, my team is playing today. I got, I'll, I'll watch church online. And, and so it's inconvenient to seek the Savior. And what Jesus was challenging his followers with, or people that wanted to follow him, or people that were seeking him, he was saying, it's not convenient to follow me because you're so ingrained in the ways of the world. You have certain habits. Isn't it true that Jesus comes at the most inconvenient times when we're going through a struggle, he shows up. When we're down and out, he shows up. He comes at the most inconvenient times, feeling of loneliness or separation from a loved one, a death of a loved one. It's those inconvenient times that Jesus says, press in. Now that we're heading into the holiday season, this is usually the loneliest time for many people because they're not with their family or they lost a loved one or they don't have people to hang out with during this season. And Jesus said, it's going to be inconvenient when you follow me it could be from busyness or even laziness or even being tired. It's inconvenient. Or maybe work gets in the way, whatever it would be, our own schedule or our own discipline. It's challenging because it's inconvenient in seeking the Savior because we live in this world. Here's the second thing that we'll be challenged with. I will be challenged with reputation. See, we all have a certain reputation, or we, we would hope we have a reputation, or we want a reputation. We want to be known. We want to uh, have a, a good outlook on life, or we want people to view us in a, a good way, not in a horrible way. We want people to see us as good people, not bad people. We want people to see that we have a good marriage, not a bad marriage. We want people to see that I have a position, and that I have affluence, or I have uh, influence with other people. So our reputation is on the line, but Jesus says, no, your, your reputation will be challenged. When you're seeking me out, you're going to be challenged with your reputation. Here's the question we need to ask ourselves. Are we more concerned with our reputation than we are seeking Jesus? Now, what does seeking Jesus look like? Why, why is it such a challenge to seek Jesus when it comes to our reputation? Why is it so challenging? Honestly, because we actually care what people think. Whenever I say, I don't care what people think, that's an indication that I care what people think. That's the first rule of thumb when I say, I don't care what people think. I care what people think. Because I'm saying, I don't care what people think. Because I want people to know, I don't care what you think. That's what I want you to think. So our reputation is always on the line. Now some of you are confused. See, you care what I think. We all care what people think. If you didn't care what people think, or if you didn't care what people thought of you, you wouldn't have gotten dressed the way you did this morning. You would have come with your pajamas on. Some of you do, and that's okay. That's up to you. 
We do care what people think, and that's not a bad thing, but it becomes challenging when we care of our reputation when we seek the Savior. You don't want to seem, for some of us, we don't, we don't want to seem like, well, I don't, want, I don't want to be like those spiritual people because if I'm like one of those spiritual people, then how am I going to reach out to other people? Then they're going to be afraid of me, so my concern is other people. So if, if I'm that Christian person and they know I'm a Christian person, then they're going to they're gonna push away from me. They're, they're not going to let me hang out with them. So we care what they think because our reputation. We want our reputation to be in a certain way so that we can do certain things. Now, if they find out I'm a Christian, they're not going to invite me to certain things. They're going to treat me differently or whatever it would be. See, our reputation is, is how others see us. And we care about that. And Jesus is saying, well, if you care about your reputation more than seeking me, you're going ha- to find that it's going to be very difficult to do so. Now, some of us are on that extreme that we say, well, I, I don't know about uh, being that super spiritual person because then people will push me away. Maybe you're on the other side of the extreme that you want people to know that you seek Jesus, and that is your reputation. You want people to know that you believe in Jesus Christ, and you want people to know that you have uh, a Bible, that you go to church, that you are involved in ministry. You want people to know, and that's fine. And maybe that's the reputation that you want. For some of us, maybe, maybe our reputation is being a Christian, but there's no fruit in our life. We say the right things, but we don't do the things that we're saying. And so there's a different type of reputation. Or maybe you're kind of in the middle and you're, you're willing to learn what it means to seek Jesus. And, and that alone is challenging because you're finding out that others may not understand where you're coming from. You know how Jesus said, you must leave your father and sister and mother and if you want to follow me or if you want to be a part of what I'm doing. And some people may not understand that, that you're taking a stand for your family and and you're doing the things of God, and people don't understand that. It's challenging because we all have some type of reputation. And that's a challenge in seeking the Savior. You know, Paul the Apostle, he was one that died to his reputation. He was known for being a Pharisee, someone who knew the ways of God but wasn't applying the ways of God the way God intended it to be applied. And so he was a righteous person in his own eyes. And they liked that. They liked that people would recognize them, that when they would go to the marketplace, people would say, hey, oh, that's the, that's the rabbi, that's the teacher. Oh, they're well-known. They know a lot. They know a lot about God. And Jesus called them hypocrites. If you're reading your devotions with us, that's what Jesus said. He said, you guys are hypocrites. You guys like parading yourselves around. You wear these extra-large boxes that have scriptures in them back in those days so that people would say, wow, that's a holy person right there. That's a holy man. That's a, that's a holy person. And they liked that. And Paul was one of them. But when he came to know Jesus Christ, he actually gave up his reputation so that now his reputation was of the Lord. Acts 26 says, For the king before whom I also speak freely, and this is Paul uh, speaking before King Agrippa, knows these things. And he's talking about Jesus Christ to the king. It says, for I am convinced that none of these things escapes his attention since this thing was not done in a corner. So Paul is saying to King Agrippa in, in his defense, you know, Paul is still on trial. He's still imprisoned, and he's saying to the king, 
you know, everything that I have done, all of these things, the Christian way or the way of living for Jesus Christ has not gone unseen with you. It, it hasn't been hidden from you like in a corner. You've seen all these things. So then he says this to King Agrippa. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? He doesn't even give the, give the king a chance to answer. He says, I know you believe. I know that you believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both almost and together such as I am except for these chains. Paul put his reputation on the line so that they could find Jesus Christ. He's standing before the king in chains, defending his faith and saying to the king, I found the Savior. And this has not been unseen to you, king. You've seen these things go on. And I, and, and I would hope that you would become like I am, except for these, change, these chains. I hope that you would change your life for Jesus Christ. That's what Paul was saying. And he was challenging the king with his reputation. See, the king had probably the one of the most difficult times or one of the most difficult decisions to make when it came to his faith in Jesus Christ. Because if he put his faith in Jesus Christ, what the king was saying is, there is a king higher than me. So Paul said, it's going to be challenging. You're going to have to put your reputation on the line, but I would hope that you would give your heart to Jesus Christ. Paul understood what it meant to put his reputation on the line, to put his reputation on the side, because now he had a new reputation it was following Jesus Christ. And Paul was fine with that because that's a better reputation to have than any other reputation. It's following Jesus Christ. Now, why did it seem so easy for Paul to die to his former reputation and now live for his, this new reputation of helping others find Jesus? Why was it so easy for him? Because for some of us, it may be easy. For some, it may be very difficult and for some, we're just right in the middle of giving up our reputation for the things of God. That we're, we're right in the middle of, well, I want to press in more, but I don't want to lose some friends, or I don't want to lose this relationship, or I don't want to be identified with Jesus Christ. I just want enough of Him so that I'm okay with Him and okay with people. Because the world we live in, it has a different view of Christianity or following Jesus Christ than that of the Bible. There, there are all kinds of views when it comes to following Jesus Christ. So we don't want to be tied into the reputation of the worldly view of Jesus Christ. We want to be tied into the reputation of God's view of Jesus Christ, that he is his one and only son, that he is the Savior. And so this is why it was easy for Paul in Philippians 2, 5, 5 through 7. Paul says, and, and Paul is speaking to the church in Philippi. So he says this, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Paul, Paul renewed his mind to model the mind of Jesus Christ in order for his reputation to be just like Jesus' reputation. And here it is, having no reputation. That's what Paul was shooting after. I don't want to have a reputation. I just want to follow Jesus Christ and serve him, serve others, and then 
being able to relate to people. That's, that's what Paul's mindset was because that's what Jesus did. Jesus put his reputation on the side of being the Son of God as well as being God, put that on the side so that he could serve people and be able to relate to people or coming in the likeness of men. God came in human form so he could relate to human beings because that's who he came to seek and save. It's us. So when we're challenged with seeking Jesus only when it's convenient or only when our reputation is on the line or when our reputation is on the line, then here's what can help us in seeking Jesus in the world we live in or in the, in the, the world you live in at your workplace or in your family. And here it is, our last point, and this is very critical. Search for Jesus with all of my heart. And there's a reason why he says to search for me with all of your heart. Some of us may think, well, I already do that. I search for Jesus with all of my heart. And the reason why he says this is because when you search for something with all of your heart, nothing else distracts you from searching what you're searching for. You, you remember that game, hide and seek, right? Well, my grandchildren, they love playing hide and seek, and they hide in the same place all the time. Same place. Because I was teaching them how to play hide and go seek, so they think that's where they're supposed to hide. And they hide behind the curtain all the time. And then when I go to find them, they pop out and say, ah, here I am. I'm like, you're not playing the game right. So they got to learn how to play hide and go seek. So I'll count and then I'll say, ready or not, here I come. And then I go to find them. And when you play hide and seek, the goal is to find the person who's hiding. You seek out that person. You don't get distracted along the way. You don't watch TV. You don't pick up the newspaper. You don't jump on your iPad. You're playing hide and go seek. There's only one thing and one thing only, it's to find that hidden person. If you get distracted, then the game's over. It's not going to work. Let's take a look at this cute little video about these two little kids playing hide-and-go-seek and what happens when you get distracted. Let's watch this. One, two, three, four, five, fifteen, sixteen, the little boy. How long is he going to be out there? You know what they say, uh, what is a skeleton in the closet? The Portuguese who lost in hiding with seat. You didn't hear that one? Well, just to let you know. 
Jeremiah 29, 12 and 13, it says this. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Did you know that when you're distracted with something, it takes a lot more energy to get back on track? It takes a lot of energy. Some of you love multitasking. But that word multitasking, although that word exists, multitasking actually is impossible to do. Multitasking came about as a way for us to say, I can do all of these things all at once. Here's the problem. You and I are not wired to multitask. We're not wired. If you're in a train of thought, let's just say you're busy doing work, and then an email pops up, and you think, oh, I'm going to multitask. You go to your email. All the energy that was stored up in doing your work is now shut down. Your brain shuts it down. All that inertia, all that momentum that was going into that, all your neurons that were pointed that direction shuts down so that it can now have this train of thought for your email or whatever comes up. And then you'll answer that email. Then you'll come back thinking, I can just pick up where I left off. No, the train has stopped. And now you have to pick up speed again. So it takes more energy. And actually, scientists say it takes 20 minutes once you lose your train of thought. If you're working or concentrating on something, it takes 20 minutes to build that back up again uh, in your neurons, in your brain, in the way you think. So some of us, we think, oh, look at that. I can do 15 things at once. No, you're doing 15 things, not at once. Can you do 15 things at once? You think you can, but you're not doing it all at once. You're doing it all individually, one after another. So when it comes to seeking the Savior, when you're searching for Jesus with all of your heart, what he's saying is when you search for me, don't get distracted by anything else. You pour all of your energies into seeking me. Because once you get distracted by the ways of the world and you, you're not seeking me anymore, it takes a lot more energy to get back on track. That's why for some of us, when we hit rock bottom, it takes a lot of effort just to get back to a relationship with Jesus Christ when we're hurt by someone and we get distracted and then we, we just bail out on everything, even Jesus Christ, our faith in him, or even attending church, it takes a lot of effort just to come back to church or to go to church. It takes a lot of effort. Why? Because we have not sought him with all of our heart. We've got distracted by something else. I love how the New Living Translation says it, or the uh, New King James Version it says, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. See, that's the difference. I, I, I think the, the way I can liken it is to how women shop and how men shop. Now, when women go shopping, I mean, you guys go shopping. You actually walk around and look at things that you didn't intend to look at. You go to the clearance rack, and you go through every single item. I mean, I don't know what you're looking for. And you go to every single item. Maybe you look for the price, the size, the color, and you go through every single item. And then, you sh I mean, you shop. You're done with that rack. You go to the next rack. You actually go from rack to rack. Now, I'm just speaking from a male perspective, so I just might be out of the blues in shopping. But so uh, you go to one rack to the next, and then you look at it, you look at it, you put on like 15 things over your arm, you go and try it on, you come out, you won't buy anything. Because 
either, you know, too big, too small. This one makes me look not like how I want to look. And then this one uh, just doesn't match my shoes. So now either you're going to buy that one and buy shoes or you're not going to buy that one. So that's how you shop. Yes or no? Kind of. Okay, close enough. Men, when we go shop, I mean, we, are, we shop with intensity. It's like, okay, I need a shirt. I need some jeans and some shoes. Shirt, jeans, shoes. And we're, I mean, we go in there. We just go straight for the jeans. We look at it. We didn't even try it on. We look at it. What size is this? I am still 30. I can't. And then you go, yep, yep, me fit, this one is good. And that's how we shop. We go in with intensity. We search with all of our heart whatever it is we're looking for. We don't shop unless you go to a sporting, sh- sporting store or a fishing store or a tool area or a tool uh, store. You, then you shop because now you're in your element. And now when you're shopping, if you don't know what you're looking for, you get distracted by everything. That's why it's dangerous, they say, to go food shopping when you're hungry because you don't even know what you're looking for. But if you go with a list and you've already eaten, you're focused. When you're seeking the Savior and you search for Him with all of your heart, then don't get distracted by anything else. Because if you get distracted by other things and you're trying to seek the Savior, you're going to miss it. He says, you're going to find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Not search for him to just get a quick fix. Not search for him so that you can, uh, you can please me or, or I'm dealing with something so hurry up, fix this so that I can get things right. Or I did something bad. Forgive me so I feel better. He says, no, you search for me with all of your heart. And when you search for Jesus with all of your heart, then when convenience or in, and something inconvenient comes up, your heart stays on track. When your reputation is on the line, no, I'm searching for him with all of my heart. I'm not concerned about my reputation or if it's convenient. So how do you find him? When you search for him with all of your heart. That must be included. Seeking Jesus only when it's convenient. It's, it's almost like waiting for your schedule to clear up to go to the emergency room or call the ambulance while you're having a heart attack. Someone says, you got to go to the doctor. you got to go to the emergency room. My schedule don't allow me. But you're dying. You're dying right now of a heart attack. Yeah, but my schedule, it's inconvenient right now. No, you're dying. Nothing else matters. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you have to search for me with all of your heart as if your life depended on it. Because then nothing else will matter. That's what happened when people were, were looking for Jesus, but they weren't trying to find the Savior. They were just looking for another king or he's a good teacher. And if you're not seeking Jesus as your Savior with all of your heart, as your Savior, you won't even recognize him when you found him. You won't even recognize him as your Savior if you're not seeking him out as your Savior with all of your heart. You won't even recognize him when he shows up. That's what they dealt with, and that's what that happened when Judas, one of Jesus' disciples, betrayed him and brought along with him a whole entire army to arrest Jesus in the betrayal. Judas dealt with that, and they experienced that. Those who came with Judas didn't recognize Jesus at all because they didn't come to find Jesus as the Savior 
They came to arrest him as a good teacher. The Bible says in Mark 14, 45, as soon as they arrived, Judas walked up to Jesus. And Judas recognized Jesus because he spent time with Jesus. And he says, Rabbi, and that word is teacher. He says, teacher, he exclaimed, and gave him the kiss, which was the sign for those who came to arrest Jesus that this is the man I'm talking about. In other words, they didn't even recognize Jesus as the Savior. Judas had to point him out. Jesus asked them, okay, am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there among you teaching every day. And then Jesus says this, but these things are happening to fulfill what the scriptures say about me. See, the scriptures pointed to Jesus as the Savior. And everyone knew that there was to be a Savior, the Jews. They believed that the Messiah would come, but not everyone believed that it was Jesus, even till this day. So Jesus says, no, you, you, don't even, you didn't even arrest me while I was in the temple. Why didn't you do that? Only now you come? He says, but these things must happen because that's what has been predicted in the Scriptures. They didn't recognize Jesus as the Savior. They only recognized him as a teacher because they were looking for Jesus, the rabbi, the good teacher, not the Savior. See, if you're seeking a Savior other than Jesus, you'll find it. You'll find a Savior. You'll find that next paycheck. You'll find that next thing or that next uh, thing that satisfies the, the temporary thing that we're going through. You're going to find that next relationship. You're going to find that next job. You're going to find those things because you're seeking a Savior, something that will save you out of a situation or the way you feel. You're going to find it, but it won't last to satisfy your whole heart's desire because there's only one Savior who can do that. If you're seeking a good teacher in Jesus, that, oh, I just, I just need your wisdom, I just, I just need uh, something from you that will get my day going, or I just need something from you that will help me in my situation right now, you'll get what you're looking for. But you'll never find him as your savior. He'll be a good teacher to you. Someone full of wisdom, but not the savior. 2 Timothy 1.10, it says, and now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Jesus Christ, our, say the word, savior, our savior, he broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. So Jesus comes as our Savior. God has made it obvious, the Bible says, to everyone through the coming of Jesus Christ that he is the Savior who broke the power of sin and death and has made it possible for us to live the way God intended us to live. That there is a, there is a reason why God sent Jesus Christ he gave us a way to live here on this earth as well as for eternal life. No other Savior can give you both. Whatever you seek after, if it's a Savior, whether it be finances, another person, uh, your reputation, or whatever it would be, you can, you can receive certain things here in this life. People can live a great life here on this earth according to their way. That I got a lot of things. I don't have to worry about my bills. My finances are okay. I have a great relationship. 
And if that's all they're seeking after, they can live like that on this earth. But that's as far as it'll go. When you seek the Savior, not only will we receive the blessing here on this earth, but he says you will receive a blessing in the life to come. Only the Savior can do that. Only the Savior can give us both. Matthew 16, 24, it says, Then Jesus said to, said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me. The question is, do we desire to follow Jesus Christ? Is, is that a desire of ours? Are we seeking him with all of our heart? Be cautious of seeking Jesus only when it's convenient or only when it makes us look good or, or if our reputation is on the line then we're going to be challenged with that. And he says, you're going to have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. You know, nowadays the cross represents Jesus dying for our sins. It represents good. It represents the Savior. It represents God sending his son to us. It represents forgiveness and healing and wholeness. It represents Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. But in those days, that's not what the cross represented. It represented death, execution, shame, ridicule. That's what it represented. And Jesus said, if you're going to take up your cross, you're going to have to deal with your reputation. It's going to be inconvenient. But if you search for me with all of your heart and you seek me, you will find me. But you got to search for me with all of your heart. So here's our heart today. With wherever we're at, wherever we are in our relationship with Jesus Christ, search for him with all of your heart do that yes we'll be challenged with seeking the Savior but at least we'll be focused on the Savior not just a Savior would you say amen to that amen would you bow your heads with me as we pray Lord I pray for all of us today as we enter this new season this this new series that we're going through and seeking the Savior we're going to deal with everyday life we're going to deal with some setbacks we're in our holiday season, Lord. We're going to deal with traffic and parking and finances and family and hurt and pain and remembrance and memories. It's going to be challenging, Lord. But I pray that we would seek you with all of our heart, wherever we may be in life. And whatever you want to do in our hearts, Lord, have your way. We want to seek you and find you. But we can only do that when we search for you in Jesus' precious name.